Yes, and good morning. Oh, fall is in the air, is it not? Uh, no kidding. I, I spent about 15 minutes shouting at a tree in my backyard yesterday because it had the temperature to uh, start changing its leaves. Yeah, that happened about a month ago in our neighborhood. Yeah, you have stressed trees in your neighborhood. You need to feed them better. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's all that hard living in downtown Toronto. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Out here in the suburbs, uh, I, I'm very leafy green. In fact, I've got a rainforest in my backyard, but the bloody things uh, are, are still starting to change. Leafy Green, wasn't that one of those Christopher Guest movies? How did you get from Mighty Wind to Leafy Green? I don't know, it just sounded like a folk band. Really? The views expressed on Geeks and Beats are those of the participants alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of their employers. Yes, again, you're covering your ass, I have no ass to cover. I don't know, I've seen your ass, it's pretty sweet. (laughs) Well, this is true. From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, simulcast on shortwave radio and Citizens Band 14, this is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. The iPhone 5S. The S could stand for Shrug. Why Cupertino, California needs to up its game if it's going to avoid a repeat of the Windows Wars of the 90s. Your next music track can be found only in six locations in the world. We spare you the drive through the California desert for the weirdest promotion ever. Jim Morrison's grave and Morrissey's urine will offer 35 ways to relive music history. Just uh, make sure you wash your hands afterwards, okay? And the isolated audio track phenomenon. On this week's Ask Alan Anything, music industry legend Eric Alper drops by the Geeks and Beats studios to tell us where he gets the goods. And now, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. Is it everything you hoped it would be? You know, there are no more secrets, even for Apple. We got the uh, the two different phones. We got the colors. We got the gold phone. We got the fingerprint sensor. We got an announcement of iTunes Radio. What we didn't get was the iWatch or the Apple TV. I didn't think we were going to get either one of those. Yeah, neither did I, but there were a lot of people who were figuring we would. I thought that we might get some iPod uh, information. Traditionally, September is the time when Apple trots out iPods, but they're becoming so marginalized in the entire Apple ecosystem that, you know, I don't think they're even going to bother. Meantime, the uh, 5S, you know what the S stands for? Uh, super expensive? Or shrug. I, I, w- I wasn't that impressed with the with the fingerprint reader, largely because I thought that the one feature that we needed that we didn't get was the near-field communications. We've really got to kickstart this wallet-on-your-smartphone technology, and until Apple comes on side, it's not going to happen. No, uh, but again, with Apple, they want a different type of NFC than a lot of other companies want. So I, you know, I think they're waiting back, to, they're holding back to see what's going on. It's it's a very the, the the 5s is a very pretty phone. I mean, I I kind of like the champagne color, although that's not what the one I'll end up getting. Why? Because you're not a Saudi oil magnet. Uh, Saudi oil magnet. Uh, a Chinese user or somebody who just has to have something bling. I mean, I always put my iPhone uh, iPhones into cases anyway, so it doesn't matter what color it is for me. In fact, tonight I was at Home Depot. We're trying to get some cabinets for the uh, for the laundry room. I pull the phone out of my pocket, falls on the floor, and goes sliding underneath one of the carpets, so I, uh, one of the cabinets. So I had to go into the cleaning section, get a, a long-handled mop, and get on my hands and knees and fish this thing out from underneath the Home Depot cabinet. So if, if you know, I would, they would have scratched the crap out of, of one. 
out of my phone had I not had a case. Or if you had the iPhone 5C, which apparently has quite the plastic case in into itself, and it comes with a case for the plastic case. No, 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 no. Do not call it plastic. It is polycarbonate. Ah, uh, yes, sure. Plastic is such a cheap word. <laughs> but the phone itself wasn't as cheap as many had thought it was going to be. No, let me just look it up here. It is uh... $99 for the 16 gig and $200 or $199 for the 32 gig, but it's on a two-year contract as well. Yeah, and we don't have two-year contracts. We have three-year contracts. We will soon have two-year contracts. January. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, but $99 for a brand new iPhone, that's that's actually pretty good. This This is something that... You know, they needed to do, they needed to get into that entry-level market. This is going to be especially popular for people who have been on the fence and have gone for a cheap Android phone instead of an iPod or iPhone because they couldn't afford it. And this will also do well in emerging markets. One of the things that uh, was interesting about today's uh, keynote was that it was uh, it was streamed in China, and there was a, uh, a follow-up uh, event in Beijing. So... Um, they have a deal now, Apple has now a deal now, with the largest of the cell phone, uh, the telcos in, in, in China, and that's 700 million potential subscribers. China Mobile signs up more people in a month than the Canadian telcos sign up in an entire year. Yeah. So if you can get a $99 iPhone, a genuine $99 iPhone, in the hands of, of some of those China Mobile uh, subscribers, that's a big deal. Now, you, you, of course, you saw the stock. Everybody just shrugged it all off and said, yeah, whatever. I think anything was, was – any, anything was um, – any disappointment was already built into the stock price. Yeah, the, the term is buy on rumors, sell on news. Yeah, so there was no news, so people sold. But you still have uh, an incredibly healthy company that uh, – I think what their, what's their uh, 11 times – their multiples 11 times. So they're doing well. Um, but, you know, there was I, – I agree. There was a – Pretty big shrug. I mean, usually because I'm part of the, I'm not a fanboy, but I am part of the Apple ecosystem. Usually I would go, oh, okay, well, I'm going to have to get this new phone. Now it's like, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll upgrade to iOS 7. I don't need a processor that much faster. I don't need uh, the fingerprint reader. I don't need uh, a gold case. Well, Steve Jobs once proved that we don't know what we need until he gives it to us. Unfortunately, he's six feet under. Yes. Now, one of the things that I am interested in is iTunes Radio. Uh, that will remain a U.S.-only thing for a while. Um, there are plans to roll it out in other territories, but we just don't know when. Spokesman would even, he wouldn't even address that. But I thought it was kind of cool that um, during the uh, the keynote today, uh, it, they gave it a very, like, two minutes, two minutes on iTunes Radio. But... Uh, the playlist they put together was was a rush playlist. <laughs> I thought that was I thought that was kind of cool. There's got to be a Canadian down there somewhere. Mm. This has got to be the coolest promo for a new track I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, there's a, an Australian band called Cut Copy, and they have a new song called "Free Your Mind." And there were only six places on the entire planet where where you can hear it. What you have to do. <laughs> there's some place in Australia, there's Chile, Detroit, some place in the California desert, one in the UK, and I think I'm missing one. But you f you find these billboards, and they're multicolored, and they say, free your mind on it, and that's all. But if you uh, have the band's um, website opened on your iOS or Android device, and you turn on location services, and you turn up the sound, only then 
will you hear the single? So there's only six places on the plan, planet where you, could, where you can hear it. And uh, I, I found some live cams that are uh, focused on the uh, on each of these billboards. Uh, they're showing, showing things in real time. I think it's really kind of cool. Yeah, the sixth one is Mexico City. And uh, the exact location of each billboard is also given in latitude and longitude. See, that's cool. I think that's that's a very global way of looking at things. Very limiting, however, I can only imagine, particularly since one of them is in a California desert. I applaud their innovation with this one. Okay, but how how much actual earplay are you going to get on this? I, I have no idea what the return on investment is. This has to be fairly expensive because billboard space, as somebody who once in a previous life actually had to purchase billboard space, it can be very expensive, especially the production. You don't you, you pay for the space, but you also have to pay for the production of the of 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 the sign itself, and then you have to with all this location services and and local sound you have to you have to build that into your cost as well they have this saying in the advertising business that 50 percent of advertising works we just don't know which 50 percent i can't imagine this is the 50 percent that works because the billboard reads with a solid color background nothing more than three words free your mind yeah not even freeyourmind.com not even open up your iphone here and you can hear a track if you didn't know about this story you wouldn't know that this billboard had anything to do with anything this is true however this could be merely phase one Mm. So they may roll out additional things to go with this. I, Again, I would like to see the ad planning for this one, who proposed it, and how they saw it all playing out in the long run. Meantime, Sony's released a new camcorder uh, that would allow you to basically make a music video to go with this track. Well, this is a really good idea. It is the uh, HDR MV1. Which just rolls right off the tongue. Uh, yeah, see, Sony has never <laughs> really, since the Walkman, they've never really come up with a catchy name for any of their devices. But it's it's a small camera. I mean, I know a lot of bands that are doing um, music videos on iPhones or mobile phone cameras. And then there's, you know, flip cams. I did something recently. I did a, uh, an ad campaign for, for Mazda, which will start showing up shortly. Uh, that was done entirely on a flip. Oh, really? Yeah. Was that a stylistic decision they made, or was that a we don't want to spend you know eighty grand buying a proper camera and a guy to go with it? It was hey, we want you to review this uh, Mazda M6. Uh, can you do it cheap? And I said, I suppose. So I did it cheap. <laughs> I got somebody to help me and <laughs> held held a held a flip phone and then edited it on at, at home on 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 like Movie Maker or something and and there you go. HD cameras have come way down in price. Oh, I know. I had the HDR one, not the HDR MV one, the original one, and it was seventeen hundred dollars when I bought it, and it's like four hundred bucks now. Well, yeah, and this one here with the uh, sixteen megapixel pixel camera and a wide angle Zeiss lens. 120 degrees. You can get right up there into the bassist's nose. Yeah. And uh, it's got built-in stereo microphones. It does uh, high-quality audio. It says it's ideal for band rehearsals, practice sessions, and live gigs. You know, for 300 bucks U.S., that's a pretty good That's a pretty good deal. Because then you just, you know, you, you download it into the laptop, and then you could edit something, you know, on the bus or in the van. And a, a lot of artists will set up a camera at the, at the back, at the soundboard, to document their their live performances so it's a good way of of 
creating game films. Go back and review the gig and see how well you did. 16 megapixels, nice. 120 degree wide angle lens, nice. But I think the most important element to this is that it's recording everything to a digital hard drive, basically. It's, it's not a tape. It's not a cassette. It's yeah. nothing like that. And, and when my daughter was born, we made a, a, deci- a decisive effort to record a lot of that. And I knew that if we bought a camcorder that required tapes of some sort, that we would just stick them in a drawer. We'd never watch them. I have shelves and shelves and shelves of, of tape downstairs. When do you ever watch it? Well, never. I have VHS. I have a couple of uh, um, Betamaxes. I have all kinds of DAT tapes that I got from a, a BBC library. It's like a graveyard of dead formats. It is. And if, listen, I've got everything from five and a quarter inch floppy disks on up. And I have no idea what to do with them. They're, but but I'm, I'm afraid to get rid of them. I, I haven't got anything that will play a... Uh, a three and a half inch floppy. Yeah, you can buy a USB based three and a half inch floppy disk drive for like twenty bucks now. Can you? You can. Can you still buy them? Yes, you can still buy them. As a matter of fact, if you recall correctly, there was an entire period in cinematic history where the entire world could either be saved or destroyed using a three and a half inch floppy disk. No, it was actually an eight inch disk. Oh well, yeah. Now you're going back to the to the seventies. I'm going back to war games. It hasn't learned. Is there any way to make it play itself? Yes, number of players zero. I saw what, uh, what, uh, what's his name? Matthew, uh, Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick did in War Games, and he had eight and a half inch, or eight inch, uh, discs. There's an Ali Sheedy joke in there somewhere. Somewhere, <laughs> somewhere there is. Yeah. Okay, pop quiz then, Mr. War Games. What was the name of the computer? Seven. Come on. Learn, goddammit. Whopper! Point cross. Yes. You uh, had a really interesting article here about uh, if you're planning to make some sort of musical pilgrimage, here are 29 suggestions. I, I have made lots of these musical pilgrimages. You've made like a third of them. I have. My wife and I have this thing about modern history, and what we like to be able to do is go to where things that happened in our lifetimes uh, actually happened. I have been to Jim Morrison's grave in Paris. I went there with a buddy of mine, and we sat around, and uh, there was a couple of hippies drinking beer there, and we listened to The End, and then uh, we, we there's a cat that kind of lives around the gravesite, so we hung out there. I have been to 430 The King's Road in London, which is where the Sex Pistols were formed. Mm-hmm. I've been to Abbey Road. I've toured through inside Abbey Road. Oh, that must have been fascinating. Oh, it was, it was, it was amazing, absolutely amazing. I also made a recommendation. You made several recommendations, including the Chelsea Hotel in New York. You got to go there. You got to go to the Chateau Marmont in Los Angeles. Why? Uh, simply because that's well, that's where John Belushi died. That's where all the rock stars hold up and and and, and detox or not. Uh, since same thing with the Sunset Marquee, which is another hotel on on Sunset Boulevard. I went to Berlin. I found Iggy and Bowie's former apartment. I've been to the One Hundred Club on Oxford Street in in London. I've been to. CBGB when it was still CBGB, and then I've been to the... Uh, what is it now? It's a John Vivardo store. What is a John Vivardo? And can I contract it? Uh, well, John Vivardo is a, is, is, is a high-end uh, fashion designer for, for men. 
Oh, okay. Hence the reason why I don't know anything about it. Yeah, it's it's uh, he specializes in deconstructed clothing. Uh, I don't look very good at him. You mentioned uh, Père Lachaise Cemetery uh, in Paris. While you were in Paris, did you go to the catacombs? I have heard about the catacombs. We were on a, a, a trip up to Normandy to, to storm the beaches. And um, we never had a chance to go to the catacombs. But I would love to take that sort of... My wife wouldn't do it because she's uh, she's claustrophobic. Oh, it's very claustrophobic. You go down maybe about five stories down this almost winding spiral staircase cut into the the limestone in Paris. The the history of it is that originally they were uh, pulling limestone out of the ground underneath the city of Paris. And a couple of things happened by about the 10th century. Um, Not only were the cemeteries well within the city limits and they became overcrowded, but also underneath the city of Paris, it became like Swiss cheese with all of these various things. And so what they did was they said, let's kill two birds with one stone. Let's stop quarrying underneath uh, the city. And second, let's pull all of the bones out of the boneyards and stick them in the catacombs themselves. But what makes this unique is that they didn't just pull a body out and stick it right the way they had pulled it out of the ground back into the catacombs. They were organizing the bones. Somebody with a huge sense of OCD was initially responsible for this because you would, you, if you go down there and you see it, and it goes for miles, um, there are stacks of nothing but femurs followed by an entire row of skulls followed by another stack of femurs. And it goes back maybe 16 feet deep beyond what you can see and 20 feet wide in all of these little pockets uh, throughout the uh, catacombs. Wow. Okay, I got to do that. What you also have to do if you do it Bring a baseball cap that you don't mind getting ruined because it is still a limestone quarry and there are bits and drips of water and stalactites and stalagmites all over the place. And you walk out of there and your your hair is virtually white. Yeah, I bet. I, I, I've done some cave and tunnel walking. There are the Coochie Tunnels in um, Vietnam, which is what the Viet Cong used to – they, what they tunneled uh, under, under occupied South of, uh, Vietnam – uh, to to attack the U.S. Marines, mm-hmm. that was really really claustrophobic. And the other one I did was a uh, secret tunnel that the North Koreans created into South Korea in anticipation of an attack, and that was was weird and dirty and 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 very wet. There was a military background uh, to the catacombs as well. During the Second World War, the French resistance was using the the tunnels because the Nazis were really quite religious. They were spooked by this whole idea. Right over the entrance, um, once you get down those five stories, it says, uh, beware uh, the home of the dead. And so the resistance knew that the Nazis weren't going to go looking for them through there. And it had been used by smugglers for you know generations before that as well. Uh, but uh, the thing is, is because it's technically a cemetery, while I pulled up my tripod and started to take a 360-degree panoramic photo, a guy walked up to me who worked there and said, um, excuse me, what do you think you're doing? So I only got a partial panorama. So if uh, you go to geeksandbeats.com, I'll post it online. You can actually move the mouse around and zoom in and zoom out. It's uh, really quite creepy. Mm. Okay, I'm going to have to check that out. I will go. I will go. I don't think my wife will go, but I think I will. Time now for Ask Alan Anything. 323-319-NERD is the address, is the phone number, excuse me, and you call that and you leave us a message for Alan. It could be about anything. It could be about your favorite band. It could be about something you didn't know about a particular song. It could be about that suspicious rash. I'm not a doctor, but I am very acquainted with suspicious rashes. 
Hi, it's uh, Grant from Brampton. Alan, where the heck are all these isolated vocals and rhythm tracks coming from? Eric Alper has collected uh, the isolated tracks of Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon and has made them available in a mix and match. should I be frightened of dying? See no reason for it. You've got to go sometime. I have become addicted to this whole concept of isolated vocals and isolated tracks. This, thank you, Internet, for doing this. Uh, it's, it's a, what people have done is they've gone back to the master tapes and they've pulled out the individual tracks and posted them online. There was one that came out last week that basic that, that featured nothing but the... Uh, the vocals and the harmonies from the side B of the Beatles Abbey Road. And it is gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. I found one this morning from a bass player site called No Treble uh, that features nothing but the rhythm track from Led Zeppelin's Immigrant Song. So you hear John Paul Jones and uh, John Bonham playing together, and you get to hear you know, how the song comes together. And you hear these, these wild bass runs that, that John Paul Jones is doing. It's fantastic stuff. So when I ran across this from Eric, I thought, wow, build your own, <laughs> build your own Dark Side of the Moon. Super cool. Let's bring Eric in on this conversation to figure out where he's getting all these in the first place. Thank you for calling Entertainment One Television and Entertainment One Music. If you know the extension the person you'd like to reach, please enter it now. Reach our company to <laughs> Success. Hey, look at you. You got it. It works. It works. Okay, good. What is it with you that gets you all of these fabulous isolated tracks? Who's your contact here? I have no free time whatsoever. Um, you, you know what? It's just <laughs> digging a little bit deeper into YouTube um, and finding the really cool isolated tracks because there, there are a lot of them out there. Um, but some of them are from video games like the Beatles rock band, which aren't really, you know, 100% official. Um, and some of them they're using okay quality to actually separate the track so that the guitar doesn't bleed into something else. So it's just a matter of finding and digging around and listening for, I guess, you know, for sometimes the best ones that are out there. I, I love the fact that people are doing this because... It gives you a real insight into how the song is constructed, how it was written, how it was produced, and then how it was all put together. It's, 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 it's amazing. It, it is. And it, you just have to marvel, especially when it comes to groups like the Beatles and the Stones and even uh, artists like Marvin Gaye, just how great they were at their instruments, whether it was the guitars or drums or their voice. Those are thousands of hours worth of practice in little dingy bars that are no longer there to actually make them great. And then you have somebody like Jack White's isolated vocals for Fell in Love with a Girl that you can just hear him yelping. And all of those hours listening to those blues performers have really taught him something. Yeah, At the no. same time, on the flip side, you've got you know isolated tracks of people like Linda McCartney and Yoko Ono. Oh. Yeah, I mean, you know, those those are, are always fun to listen to. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily post something just because, you know, just to knock them or, or just to get a lot of heat 
from from social media or any kind of trolls coming involved with it. But it, it does show you um, that there is definitely talent behind, I think, any performer that decides to go in the studio because now that you can strip away everything, um, it's kind of left up to, you know, bear. And um, you've got to be able to be really great because, uh, you know, you never know when somebody's going to strip away everything except for your own vocals. Well, and what's what I find fascinating about these isolated vocals is the fact that this was way before Pro Tools. This was way before Auto-Tune. What you're hearing is the real deal. These people were talented. Yeah, what people tend to forget is when you think about it, that the Beatles recorded Abbey Road on a four-track or they did some recordings on an eight-track. I know bands that won't even step into the studio that have sold a thousandth of what the Beatles did without 32 tracks in auto-tune. Um, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's just amazing of, of how, how great they really, truly were. I was flipping through the radio a couple of years ago. I've told this story before, but I was flipping through the radio a couple of years ago, and I ran across uh, an oldie station that was playing You're the One That I Want from the Grease soundtrack with Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta, a song that I absolutely detest and hate. Well, in that case, let's play it. No, 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 no. But for whatever reason, I, I, I left it I left it on and I began to listen to it. And I began to listen to the quality of the vocal performances. Olivia's voice just so carefully controlled, breath control, tone control, vibrato control. And then John Travolta comes in and, and again, same sort of thing. Tremendous vocal control. And suddenly, after about, you know, 45 seconds of listening to this song that I would rather, you know, stick needles in my eyes to listen, than listen to the whole thing, I, I had a new appreciation for it because I realized that these people did have honest-to-God talent. I think you, you've hit the nail right on the head. I think that when you listen to Under Pressure by Queen and David Bowie, you realize that they're is real talent behind it. And it does give you an appreciation for it. I'll give you another example. One of my favorite ones um, that I posted on the isolated tracks um, area are, are the Bee Gees. Um, and forget what you think about disco and forget what you think about Saturday Night Fever because it's kind of cool now and before, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, nobody would readily admit the fact that they listen to disco. But you hear how crystal clear Barry Gibbs' voice is and the range. I think that there's going to be a real appreciation for even music that that the listener doesn't really like, but you have to give them their props. Yeah, that uh, under pressure duet with Bowie and and, and Freddie. You listen Fine to, it, it is, and then you listen to the choices, the artistic choices that Freddie makes with the medley, with the melody, and with the harmony, and the the brain process that has to go into okay, I'm going to hit this note in this way and tweak it in this fashion. You can't hear with the in the context of the entire song, but you hear it isolated, and you realize, holy crap! What what I had dismissed for decades as a piece of crack pop song. <laughs> I, I I I I now I listen listen to those isolated vocals and go, 
Holy God, Freddie, you are good. Eric Elper is that Eric Elper on Twitter. Eric, thanks so much for opening your ears and our minds in the process. <laughs> Thank you very much again. No problem. Thank you very much for having me. London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a GNB News Update. So uh, Don Landry, uh, who is uh, a famous Toronto radio personality, uh, has a Twitter feed and a uh, penchant for watching the Geeks and Beats uh, live-to-air hangout show that we did. Oh, well, nice. Thank you, Don. Yeah, he was he was among the eight people who I think watched it live. <laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, he had a great suggestion. Uh, he suggested uh, while we were doing the show on the 1st of September with the big launch for season two, he said, how much to have a framed photo of me over your shoulder for an entire show? Oh. Isn't that brilliant? Yeah. That is a money-making opportunity. <laughs> when we do these monthly uh, live-to-air Google Hangouts, we should be cashing in big time. Yeah, we should. We've got to figure out a way to do it. And when uh, have you changed your browser? Are you back? Uh... I'll be using Chrome. I'll be using Chrome. Good. Get rid. Firefox is a bad idea. I have to confess, when uh, we did the season one on uh, Google Hangouts, it was such a disaster that when I edited the actual show for iTunes, mm-hmm. I don't think I included anything that had anything to do with the actual Hangout <laughs> in the episode. <laughs> I was that embarrassed uh, about how poorly it went. Uh, okay, well, we'll figure it out. Listen, it's only a test. Okay. Well, I had suggested as an alternative to having a framed photo over uh, my shoulder for the show is that perhaps, maybe, if he was willing to open his wallet wider, he could sit in the chair over my shoulder and stare into the camera the whole time. That's interesting. Uh, and so his response was, that'll be fine so long as he can have his website address on his forehead. I Yeah, okay. I need a green screen. I, I'm, I'm thinking about some, some green screen technology. That way I can change my background uh, on a minute-by-minute basis. Brilliant. Uh, meantime, Rob Brown, uh, Twitter handle uh, Sound in My Memory, uh, asked to know what it, beca- what it would cost to co-host the actual show. Oh, hell, I have no idea. we got to put together a rate card. <laughs> I think we need to. We talked to the sales de- – oh, we don't have a sales department. Maybe we need a sales department first. Maybe, maybe we need a sales department. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then Thomas Foster uh, just uh, tweeted, uh, relaxing and listening to the latest geeks and beats. Thanks for the love, Thomas. Oh, that's good. Oh, and I have to talk to iTunes today. Maybe put us up on the front page again. That would be really helpful. I'll see what I can do. The ratings are through the floor since we came back. Well, listen, we were gone for a month, and nothing gets done in, in, in August. So it's just a slow build until um, we get back to where we were. Yeah, right back into hurricane season. That's when the show picks up. Yes, that's true. Well, no, it is hurricane season. Meantime, you, you've uh, found a historical musical um, artifact. Is that really what I want to call it? This kind of goes back to the uh, the musical pilgrimages. A new order created this this nightclub in, in Manchester called the Hacienda, which is not there anymore. It was torn down and turned into condos, and they sold off it. Uh, it sold it off piece by piece. Uh, for example, you could buy a you know piece of the dance floor, you could buy a piece of the bar, and some guy went and bought uh, some of the urinals from the men's room, <laughs> as opposed to the urinals from the women's room. Well, it's, yeah, he built a um, a display case for for the urinals, and he claims to have never washed them. So there could be some actual urine DNA from people like Ian Curtis and Morrissey and Sean Ryder and Tony Wilson and Marky Smith and uh, maybe even Madonna. Uh, well, maybe because the club played her or she played the club. 
depending on your perspective. So if you want these things, uh, they're available. I, I couldn't find the actual listing on eBay, but the, the story from The Independent in the UK says uh, that the, it's the, the guy selling them. And uh, the starting price is £15,000. Best of luck. Yeah, Mike Shepard is the man's name, and he said that the reason why he uh, his buddy bought him the urinals in the first place, because uh, it was one of these things where he couldn't make it down to the actual auction itself, and he said, here's a, here's some bu- a couple of bucks, see what you can pick up for me. And his buddy said, well, I'm going to get him these urinals. And it turned out to be just perfect, because apparently the guy used to do bathrooms as a renovator in the first place. Oh. So what what uh, what was the original price? How much did he pick them up for? He writes, uh, uh, there was an auction uh, the Hacienda back in 2001. I couldn't go, but a friend of mine went, and I gave him a couple of hundred quid. And I asked him to get me something substantial. Okay. And that's what he got. <laughs> and not only apparently did he not wash them before putting them in the uh, case, I wonder if they're hermetically sealed in the case, because that would be pretty critical if you want to do some sort of dinosaur DNA reconstruction like uh, they did in that movie. Yeah, but wouldn't it smell? Not if it's encased and hermetically sealed. That's that's true. Okay. What was weird to me, though, is the reason why he was selling the urinals in the first place. The last line in the independent.co.uk article is, Mr. Shepard said he had to sell it because he's planning to move house next year. And there's just no room. <laughs> Seems like an odd reason to unload such a significant piece of memorabilia, don't you? Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe he finally got a wife who had uh, some, some, some better sense. This is nothing that I would have in my house. Particularly not in the living room. Well, no, I'd have a piece of the dance floor or the bar or something, or maybe something from the DJ booth, but I wouldn't have the urinals. Wouldn't that be great, though? You go in, you, know, you have, have a bunch of friends over, and they go up to the washroom, and there's like a, a row of six urinals. Ozzy has that in his house, apparently. You know who else has a urinal in his house? That Brian Baumler, the HGTV uh, home renovation guy. Really? Yeah, we were watching one of those shows. We call those uh, we call it yuppie porn. Yeah. So we were watching one of those renovation shows, and he put one in his own house. His wife was revolted. Can I plug a show that I'm doing now on TV? Oh, please do. The cable channel Bold has been rebranded as Cottage Life, and I am the voice for uh, a program called Selling Big, which follows Richie Brothers Auctions of Grand Prairie, Alberta, and their attempts to sell a billion dollars worth of used construction equipment. Did you get any construction equipment as, as swag or graph? No, not yet, but I'm, I could ask for a, a uh, Hyundai Digger. Yeah, backhoe would be nice. Backhoes are too small for these people. They, the, 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 they have these, these, these you know, giant trucks and forest clearers and, and things that they use in the oil industry. Oh, you could use something like that against the neighbors across the way the next time they act up. Well, there's a there's a there's somebody over my back fence that spends an awful lot of time partying late on Fridays and Saturday nights. So, uh, I, yeah. To scoop the whole party up and ship it down the street. No, you, you mulch them. Wood chipper. Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes. And watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter or Facebook and get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.